Well, once again, dear listeners, we're uh, having a little trouble with the sound in this episode, so I I hope that you'll uh, stand by and uh, give us a little bit of a grace period because I can't help but notice that these sound problems started just as we were starting to do this series on conspiracies. Hmm, makes you think, don't it? But please, stay tuned. There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Welcome, dear listeners, if that really is your name, to another in our series, Conspiracy! Conspiracy! This week, space. What is it really? Have you ever been there? I didn't think so. But you're so sure it exists, aren't you, sheeple? Bah. You think we really landed on the moon? Have you seen the moon? You see how small it is? It's like the size of a quarter. How could you get some big galoot like Neil Armstrong clomping all over that? Wake up! This film, this week's film, 1978's Capricorn 1, has the dubious distinction of actually feeding into a number of the early 70s, um, shall we say, special needs theories <laughs> about how the moon landing was faked. And in some people's head canon, uh, filmed by Stanley Kubrick. Mm. Even though this mo- and even though this movie is faking a, a landing on Mars. Yeah. Which they want us to believe is a totally different planet. <laughs> how gullible do they think we are? I'm your ho- I'm your host Max. Wait. Why do you need to know my name? Who do you work for? You. <coughs> yes. And over there is your host Mike Luce. And before we get into this, we have this week's poll question. Poll question. What do you think is the most tense edge of your seat? Forget about popcorn or using the restroom scene of any movie ever. The kind of scene that makes your heart race and your hands dig into the armrests of your chair. This time we're going to lead off with uh, Snowy, a.k.a. Vince. Uh, One scene that always gets me, even after literally hundreds of viewings, is the Death Star coming into range of the Rebel planet just as the fighters try to destroy it. I always think this time the base might get destroyed. (laughs) It's a credit to the music and editing. If the scene is on TV and I catch it, I just stop everything and watch it again. Another is the opening long take in Gravity. It freaks me out every time, and I can't take my eyes off the screen. That is, those are both seriously tense scenes. I didn't see Gravity, but I believe it. Dave! Dave! I have always liked the sequence at the end of North by Northwest, where Eva Marie Saint is being held on by one hand, about to fall off Mount Rushmore, and saying she can't make it. I was totally sucked into that the first time I saw it. But also, have you guys ever devoted any time on your show to Hitchcock? Um, you know, I don't uh, think so. No, <laughs> I don't think we have. Weird. Which is that is very odd. We, he may have to get his own series. Yeah. 
Might have to. I'm trying to think. Have we actually done an Ed Wood film? No, we did Ed Wood, uh, but we didn't do an Ed yeah. Wood film. So there you yeah. go. That's why. Because we haven't devoted what? any time Wait to Ed Wood, minute. that's why we can't devote any that time to Alfred Hitchcock. follow at Next all. question. <laughs> uh, Tyler Stewart says, another Star Wars, the X-Wing attack on the Death Star in mm. Star Wars, and the Death Star moving around the planet to get at the base. The yep. Death Star has cleared the planet. The Death Star has cleared the planet. Uh, George Saulnier says the entirety of Hitchcock's The Wrong Man. Oh, I don't know that one. I wonder if it was earlier. Uh, It makes me squirm. It also has a depressing but frighteningly truthful ending. Well, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Maybe we (laughs) should do a series on Hitchcock at some point. Maybe. Uh, Daniel Howe says Jaws made me afraid of swimming pools (laughs) as a kid. And movie Jaws wins. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I I get that. Yeah, there was a whole summer there where I think that uh, tourism was down on the beaches of New England. But uh, yeah, especially yeah, Cape Cod. Nobody went near the water. Yep. Yeah, it was Nantucket is where they filmed it. But yeah, some yeah, something like that. Uh, Regan McStravick says Revenant. Pretty sure I don't need to describe which scene. <laughs> Tied with a similar scene in The Edge. Yeah. I have a thing about bears. See, I don't know the edge, but all I had to do was say Revenant. It's like, oh, which I have not seen. And it's like, that's a bear scene. And yeah. The bears. The bears. Adam Mark says, I found several scenes in Zero Gravity, which I believe is an- was another title for Gravity, Oh, to be particularly intense. The claustrophobia of the spacesuit, the pods, the certain death, if anything failed. Definitely the most tense film I've ever seen. Well, the whole film. Yeah, space wants Gen- to kill you, just so you yes. know. Yes, <laughs> very, space very hates much. us. <laughs> space hates us and wants us to die. Yep. Geneva Brunet says, for whatever reason, for me, it wasn't exactly the T-Rex, it was the Velociraptors in the kitchen. Oh, who's I a get clever that. girl? I get in the kitchen, that is because it's a domestic scene. It's much more personal. Well, not only that, but the kids are in and around things made of stainless steel, all of which make a lot of noise. Yeah. So every time they did anything, those heads would whip around. and it's mm. yeah. Valerie, look, I'm Mike's sister. Quit making the jokes already. Coons yeah, says, the scene at the climax of Rear Window when Raymond Burr realizes mm. where Jimmy Stewart is and comes after him. Yes, I see. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I see. That's my brilliant Godzilla. (laughs) Another one for me is the man who knew too much when the assassin is about to do his thing. That's what they call it. And Doris Day is watching helplessly, and the camera keeps going to a close-up of the music. Hitchcock really knew how to make the audience sit on the edge of their seats. That is true. I mean, shouldn't be surprised, but three votes for Hitchcock. I think we may have to put that on the dock, and we should do a series on Hitchcock. Also says, Assistant Stephen says, when Mel Gibson runs out of the cornfield in signs. Sure. Okay. Charles Forsythe says, I have to think about it. Right now, all I can think of is the line from Repo Man. An ordinary person spends his life avoiding tense situations. A repo man spends his life getting into tense situations. Hmm. The life is always intense. Is it? Nick Hoffman says the most tense thing I ever saw on screen was the entirety of Jacob's Ladder. Oh. I saw it originally at the Dome in Hollywood, and although I own a DVD copy, I can't bring myself to watch it. Wow. I'm trying to remember. Is that the one where the, there's an experiment in college with kids and dying or something? No, no. I think you're thinking of Firestarter. No, I've never seen Firestarter. This was a sort of a Vietnam... Actually, oh. I'm not sure. It was a very confusing, because you don't really know what's real in it. Oh, then never mind. Well, yeah. Thanks anyway. 
Uh, Kelly Cooper says, when the movie Silence of the Lamb was over, I had to make a conscious effort to unclamp my hands from the arms <laughs> of the movie theater seats. The simultaneous door knocking scene, oh boy, and the basement shooting scene are the specific ones that come to mind, but the whole movie just spirals into greater and greater intensity. Yep, right there with you. Yeah, uh, yeah. See our entire episode on Silence of the Lambs. Aton mm-hmm. McCullers just says, no country for old men gas station yep didn't see it but i'll take max the coin friendo 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 javier bardem he calls oh friendo (laughs) all you had to do is say javier bardem it's like okay never mind that is a very (laughs) what what about you mike what is the your tensest scene your most sphincter clamping scene it's actually going to be a whole movie um and i only saw it once and it's a french film And when I tell you the plot, you'll understand why this film is so tense. It's called Wages of Fear. It is a film. I know that name. Well, where there is an oil well fire. Well, one of the only ways you can put out oil well fires is with explosives. Yeah. And so they get a truck driver to drive from where he is over a very narrow mountain road with a truck full of nitroglycerin Ah! to go to take out the well fire. It is really well done, and it drives you nuts for about 90 minutes. (laughs) So, yeah, although Silence of the Lambs, yeah, yeah. The only reason I watched that film a second time was because of that we did a show on it. And it's, it's not because I didn't like the movie. It was like, I don't know if I can put myself through that again. How about you? Uh, well, the Science of the Lambs uh, basement scene is one of them, but the one that really jumped out at me at first is in the first Terminator movie, when the Terminator at the end, all the flesh is gone, he's his robot skeleton, he's trying to just reach Sarah Connor through the machine press right before she turns it on. Yeah. I remember just practically jumping out of my seat, leaning forward, going, oh, God, oh, God, turn it on, turn it on! Well, and that the damn hand actually is going to close over her leg, the one that she's hurt, as she just managed to pull it out of its grasp. And then she says, I think her, her line is sayonara sucker or something like that. Terminated blank. Oh, blank. Well, that's kind of... Effer. Oh. Yeah, we don't say that in this show, so we don't get we that don't. rating that keeps people from listening. Uh, well, mm. yes, that's the only thing. <laughs> Thank you, listener. <laughs> So, so, but thank you all for your answers. They were very cool and yes. very tense. We and, always uh, look forward to them. Yep. But we have a new question. Oh, here it comes. Um, tell me, what star of the silver screen, living or dead, would you most want to sit down with over lunch or drinks and talk? And what is the question you'd most like to ask them? Hmm. What is the square root of minus one? And don't give me E. I'm not, I'm not dealing with that. That's my question. Okay, well, good. And who would you ask it to? Um, I think I would probably ask Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> he seems the one most likely to know the answer. <laughs> Fair also, enough. So living or dead, so it could be at any point in their career? At any point in their career, oh, cool. any, any time. But, yeah. besides that question, but, yes. the way we're yes. going to answer it, which we'll tell you later, I'm yep. betting there's trivia. There is. Facts. Budget for this, $5 million. That much. Oh. Say in 1978. Yeah, uh, yeah Star Wars were, only cost eight. Yeah, there were a lot of names to get. The worldwide gross, $12 million. Oh, so, so for its know, time, it was buy. a success. But that's you know probably why we didn't see Capricorn 1, 2. <laughs> Wouldn't it just be Capricorn 2? 
Nope, it would be Capricorn 1, 2. Um, Despite being portrayed as kind of the villain of the movie, NASA provided a lot of technical assistance, including mock-up spacecraft, sets, vehicles, and front-screen projection expertise. Yeah, well, we'll come back to the villain of the film. Mm. Uh, One of the stunt pilots, a guy named Frank Tallman, who is like, apparently really famous. He was the one who flew the Red Stearman plane at the end. Oh, God. He claimed this film was one of the most dangerous films he'd ever flown for. Wow. He he was killed in a crash after filming finished. Ooh. Yeah. Oddly enough, you know, that's the plane. Telly Savalas <laughs> plays the pilot in a role that did surprise me. Me too, <laughs> but we'll get there too. In real life, he was terrified of flying. Telly Savalas? Yep. Oh. The snake that Charles Brubaker, a.k.a. James Brolin, eats was stuffed with raw fish. Well, that's... S- snake sushi. Snooshy, if you will. <laughs> I won't. The soundtrack, did you catch who wrote the soundtrack? Yeah, and I forgot. Yeah, Jerry Goldsmith, no. who also wrote the soundtrack for the soundtrack soundtrack for star trek insurrection apparently if you listen to these the insurrection soundtrack at about three three and a half minutes you'll hear the theme from capricorn one ah uh we have two of the actors in this movie share an interesting trait both have were at one point and one still is married to Bar- barbara streisand oh she was married to both James Brolin, who she is still married to, and Elliot Gould for about eight years. Really? Yeah, that is, I did not know that, and that is not a pairing I would have thought of. I'm, apparently they didn't either, because they got over it. Yeah, huh. after about eight years. But yeah, it's not like it was an overnight thing. Yeah. Hmm. Now, the conspiracies theories about the moon landing being fake started around the mid-70s. Yep. They gained a lot of traction after this film was released because the film made it look so scientifically credible. <laughs> the way, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's all. Uh, however, these people and <clears throat> you want to believe what you want to believe. You know, you should. Well, no, because you're stupid. But <laughs> I'm sorry. The Soviet Union and its entire space program division have been completely silent about this and if anyone was going to point out that the moon landing was fake a they would have been able to tell and b they would have said so in a minute yeah also since in since 2008 unmanned probes from both china and japan have photographed the lunar surface high-res pictures and they've shown the presence of the apollo artifacts yeah and the hardware and i maybe japan but our good buddies in china would have wasted no time pointing out that if it wasn't there. Yeah, but you so, know, they only found on. five of the six flags still standing. Yeah. How about that? Well, you know why, right? You know why? Fell over? Well, why? well, yeah, when when they were blasting off it actually the thrust knocked the flag off. <laughs> it was still yeah. there, it just fell yep. over. Yep. Yeah. Uh the the space rocket footage in the movie was that of Saturn V, uh, an Apollo era rocket. Uh the other space hardware used was also apollo era stuff like the command module and the lunar module yeah they got lent to them by nasa they're the real thing yep (laughs) yeah uh the cast has six count them six oscar nominees ah nominees yeah Yeah, not 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 winners (laughs) let me see yep i'm trying to guess oh karen black yep um james brolin uh no oh 
Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else who would deserve an Oscar. Al that was, Holbrook. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind Elliot of Elliot Gould. Really? Yeah, he got one from Mash, didn't he? I think he did. Uh, Telly Savalas. Oh, an, a- an actual Oscar. Hmm. I, I, yep, he got these are nominees. I know. No, no, no. <laughs> Sam Waterson, who I didn't recognize, who at all. looks like a child in this. I yeah. thought he was born with gray hair. Yeah, and Brenda Vaccaro. Brenda <gasps> Vaccaro. Oh, don't be mean. Yeah, she was nominated. Oh, I had. Don't be mean. The man who as a child came up with the Breathe Along a Breath Brenda show. Really? I, I never did. Yeah, no, you totally no. Breathe Along with Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> it was, in, yes, it was childhood cruelty. Brenda Vaccaro has one lung. Right. And is often, you can tell, you know, sort of breathes a bit raspy. Mm. And in whatever commercial she was in, was it for a shampoo I don't or something? Know. In the original. The original airings, it was really obvious that you could hear, hello, I'm Brenda Vaccaro. <gasps> and we used to play Breathe Along with Brenda. I'm not <laughs> proud of this. She, w- Yes, yeah, she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress in a movie I have never heard of called Once Is Not Enough in 1976. Apparently it wasn't. <laughs> uh, the end helicopter crop duster sequence, which we'll talk about. Yep. It was often used in episodes of TV shows. It was used in both The Fall Guy and The A-Team. Now, here's where the real conspiracy comes in. (laughs) And that is the connection of this movie to the TV show Friends. Huh? Yep. Elliot Gould and Brenda Vaccaro were both cast as parents of the main characters in Friends. Gould played Jack Geller. Vaccaro played... Aid Gloria Tribbiani. Coincidence? Yes. And during the episode called The One Where Ross Can't Flirt, Joey Tribbiani's grandmother mentions the film by name when he claims to be Sam Watterson in an episode of Law and Order. Furthermore, Kelly Salas was the godfather of Friends star Jennifer Aniston. Coincidence? Yes. And also, James Brolin, the father of Josh Brolin who played Thanos, who wiped out half the universe. Coinc- okay, no, I can't. <laughs> sure, Thanos was in space. There's yeah. your connection. Yes, that's it. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure he didn't like the moon or something. Yeah. But let's get to the plot. Sure. NASA has a big new mission, a manned mission to Mars. Dang, it's almost 50 years later, and we still haven't figured out how to do that. Nice job, Hal Holbrook. <laughs> Three brave astronauts, played by Josh uh, James Brolin. I always get that wrong. Sam Watterson and um, <clears throat> another guy <laughs> set all set out to Mars to declare it dolphin safe. Oh, but oh no! Evil Hal Holbrook has them yanked out of the rocket and told they already know the mission will fail, and if it fails, the space program will get shut down. Lots of insanely rich people will become slightly less insanely rich, apparently. First of all, Elon Musk might get to Mars first. <laughs> Elon Musk isn't here. <laughs> so what is a brilliant scientist to do? Make an impassioned plea to the American people? Try to apply political pressure? See if they can get private sector funding? Don't be silly. They're going to set up a soundstage and film a fake Mars landing. What a brilliant plan. What could go wrong? Well, Quite a bit, as it turns out, as our astronauts realize that for this plan to work, they will all have to wind up suffering from a serious case of death. <laughs> so they make a mad, a daring dash for freedom across the desert. 
No one knows they're alive, but one intrepid reporter, Elliot Gould, has suspicions. Can he uncover his this dastardly plot, reveal the conspiracy, and save the 70s? <laughs> Tune in and find out. The film. Okay, let's let's just let's get this over with. The third astronaut is played by one Orenthal James Simpson. Yeah. Yeah, and I gotta say, he just kills this role. Oh crap! He has six lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. He just murders this role. Oh, <laughs> too soon. Yeah, yeah. He takes a good stab at acting. Oh god! <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'll try to stop. Yeah, you never will. You know, believe it or not, I, I, the director was interviewed about this. OJ thought this movie was going to be his big break hmm. after you know. He, uh, his co- former co-star was in it, Karen Black, from The Towering Inferno, mm. where he played fireman guy waiting for an elevator, I think. <laughs> well, he was in Airplane, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, wasn't that O.J. Air- Simpson? In Air... Wait, the parody Airplane? Yeah. No, no, that was, that was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Well, he's in some comedy or something. Oh, he was in Police, he was in police Squad. He <laughs> that's what it was. in the Naked was. Gun movies. Still, still Abram Zucker and Zucker, that's why. Okay. See the act- he literally, mistake. like... There's actually one scene early on in the film where where they've been pulled out of the capsule. They're in this unmarked uh, conference room somewhere, and Hal Holbrook is giving this speech, and I can just feel the actors going, are we going to get to say anything? The answer is <laughs> no. No, you're not. And that was like one of my first notes was just like, uh, Dr. Bad Guy rambles on and on after he pulls the astronauts. Get to the point! Yeah. Um, and the few lines that uh, Mr. Simpson has are, shall we say... Um, short and yeah. um, I'm think he had a little help from DHL delivering them but that's just yeah. me. Um, yeah, I mean whatever else, I mean this is 1978, he hasn't become really famous for other things. No. He was just starting to sort of become famous even as a football player and a media star. Yeah. Uh, but sure. He was a foot he was an athlete, he wasn't an actor and no. boy is that clear. Well, and the fun part is the guy who directed this film um, also jokingly said, hey, you know, I got to work with two people accused of murdering their wives because he also worked with Robert Blake. Oh, not in (laughs) this movie. Well, that was just a shot in the dark. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) Yeah, but he didn't do it either. Yeah, we have an all-star cast and David Doyle. (laughs) Yeah, apparently Elliot Gould works for Bosley. (laughs) And... I don't know if David Doyle's a fan favorite, but David Doyle to me is somebody's friend. Yeah. Like I I didn't like him in Charlie's Angels. I couldn't figure out why he was there. And every he that's it, that's his entire range is whatever he had in Charlie and Angels. That's it. And yeah. he shows up very late in the film and I'm just waiting for the laugh track to start cuz he's just got this lispy high-pitched voice and it's like he just seems like he should be in a comedy. James Brolin, we've got James Brolin's fine. He's he's perfectly adequate as an actor. Sam Watterson doesn't get much to do. He's look, all three of the astronauts have their very clearly defined roles. James <laughs> Brolin, Brubaker is the leader. He's yeah. the Boy Scout, and Sam Watterson is the wise guy, and O.J. Simpson is the black guy. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's it's what true. he that's his character. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's like, right? Hello, off, I'm here. Yeah, you're yeah. like, well, who's who's going to get killed first? I wonder. Yeah, yeah, and in fact, it is yeah. the black guy. Although but, technically, 
it is uh, uh, Elliot's, Elliot Gould's friend, Elliot. Yeah. Who, by the way, was played by the guy who played Joe Rossi on Lou Grant. Yes. There's a Walden, Robert Walden. Yeah. And he's there for 10 seconds. He's fine. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's also fine. adequate. Um, they He disappears without any actual explanation because that's how conspiracy works. And it's fine. I don't really care. Um, Sam Watterson tells one of the worst jokes ever as his end scene. And boy, is he acting. Whoo! He's really trying. He really is. But you do see Sam Watterson is a perfectly competent actor. He's not a great actor. No. But he's a decent actor, and he you get what you you get what you pay for with Sam Watterson. Well, and also he's he's been trying to climb these cliffs, mm. <laughs> the cliffs of I can't do it, <laughs> yeah. ah, ah, the insanity. cliffs of insanity. <laughs> <laughs> but and then the sad thing is he gets to the top, and the evil guys in the helicopters have already landed there, him. somehow unknown to him. But yeah, whatever. apparently he didn't notice two uh, fairly sizable. Uh, Hughes OH six Cayuse helicopters. Yeah, and we're get, we're gonna get to that. Just not not yet. Yeah. Okay. So he gets to the top of the cliff, and it's obvious that he's going to be killed because that's what happened to OJ Simpson and everything. And then they make the mistake of pulling back. And the reason it's a mistake because he's gone straight up the cliff. It's like Sam, if you'd gone about a quarter mile to your left, yeah. there was actually a fairly decent, like not too <laughs> steep slope you could have just walked up. Whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> Who else is there? Oh, yeah. And um, I, so, okay. Brenda Vaccaro is not an actor that I know. I could not pull her out of a lineup. Sadly, because of my erstwhile uh, co partner here's um, little childhood game of Breathe Along a Brenda, uh, <laughs> oh, that's Brenda Vaccaro. <laughs> yeah. Well. She, too, is adequate. She's fine. She does a decent job. I think she's better than Karen Black. Is she the one who's hanging out with Elliot Gould? Yeah, she was oh the God. other reporter. It's like, stop crossing your eyes. Oh, you can't. Okay. Because she looks the whole time like she's trying to goof up the thing. It's like one eye is pointing inwards, and it's like, no, that was She yeah. had lazy eye syndrome. Yeah. yeah. Do you know Denzel Washington? Because he, he yeah. knows a doctor, and you can get that. <laughs> And I'm sorry, I know, you know, quote unquote, people can't help it. But when they zoom in and she's just like cross-eyed right into the camera, it's like, I can't. Mm. This was honestly for me in general, it was a cavalcade of 70s TV stars. It really, in a lot of ways, felt, I mean, I, I get, I said the Towering Inferno. It reminded me in a lot of ways of just one of those Irwin Allen disaster movies where it's, let's cram in all the B-list stars we can yeah. quickly only this, instead of, you know, action and excitement and terror, it's ten it's supposed to be tension and conspiracy and uh, and fear. Yeah, um, something like that. And it we get kind of is, but we, yeah, we'll get there. Well, I, without actually being exciting, the movie's pretty dull. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of dull, uh, one of the biggest names in this film is Elliot Gould. Yeah. Who I'm going to say is rather terrible. Oh, I didn't think he was terrible. I just didn't think he was really making much of an effort in the whole thing. I just didn't believe a thing he said or did. Um, uh, not least of which the the driving scene, which... Oh, yeah, where his car is somehow... Not only have they dis tampered with the brakes, they've made it so the car speeds up. Yeah. And um, then 1978, th I don't think you could do that. 
I, I mean, the only thing you could really do is sort of like tie down the accelerator cable and that which he'd never be able to start the car. So I don't yeah. whatever. Um, it's, that's what he gets for having an automatic Mustang anyway. So, uh, <laughs> but I just, Elliot Gould, I'm, he's not a favorite of mine anyway. And I just found his acting so sophomoric and just, just mm. like, just bad. Honestly, I, 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 yeah, I like him in a lot of things. I didn't, I thought in this, he just didn't, didn't do much. Well, there may be he just kind of coasting. <laughs> yeah, may, there may very well be. I think he knew what he was in for. Yeah. And so Hal Holbrook is a major star. He's a he was yep. a big deal, and, and he's, he's fine. Right. He's all right. He's putting in some effort. But my favorite actor for this film, and it's not a big part, absolute favorite. As soon as he shows up, I'm like, that's what this film needs. Some sort of liveliness is Telly freaking Savalas. He's the one with the. He has the most energy <laughs> of does. any character. He's this awful, obnoxious uh, crop dusting pilot that yeah. Elliot Gould wants to hire. So he could look, go out and find James Brolin, who he has somehow magically figured out roughly where he is within a thousand square miles yeah, and they're searching in, in a Texas. biplane yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i, okay. I well, adored telly savalas uh, i i never watched kojak i know how big it was in the 70s but telly savalas kind of drifts in with a devil may care i don't give a crap attitude yep. plays his part to the nines and then leaves and it's like oh could you bring him back please? come back telly we miss you yeah and he does and like, his name is big in the credits and he literally shows up about 20 minutes to before the end of the film and it's not a short film i'm just saying yeah it's a little two hours four minutes did you spot uh who was playing hollis the senator the uh, guy, the sort of wise ass guy with the glasses. Well, he's been in everything. That's David Huddleston, who we probably name? best, yeah, who we probably best know as Deckard's commander in Blade Runner. Isn't that oh him? wait, no, 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 oh. no, no. The guy with the glasses. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, did I get him mixed up again? Yeah, no. Him, uh, he was him the, and M. Emmett Walsh and a couple of others. That's who it, who it was, was M. Emmett Walsh. Okay, I always get those two mixed up. David Huddleston, you've seen in everything. Everything. That's a, why I was a, like, when he showed up, it's like, oh, the sitcoms let out early. Okay. <laughs> it must be summer vacations for the sitcoms. And he's a he's a perfectly good character actor. Yeah. And he does a fine job here. He actually has some, some kind of cool subtlety when he's basically saying, so uh, you're going to screw me over, huh? Couldn't bother to send a president, huh? Okay, yeah. fine. I get it. Yeah, whatever. Up yours. But without saying any of that. No, um, it's, all very, it's all pretty subtle. Yeah. The idea of the movie is kind of interesting. The whole thing is... Hal Holbrook, who is Dr. whatever the hell his name Vornoff. is. Dr. Doc, <laughs> not Dr. Vornoff. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Dr. Vornoff. No, yes. no, but it's Dr. Zarkov. Yeah. Dr. Han, uh, it's Dr. Hal Holbrook. Yeah. Um, he's, just, he's just doing Hal Holbrook. But uh, his whole thing is it turns out they bought the life support system. And this happens from the lowest bidder. And they cut too many corners. And they realized the astronauts would have been dead in three weeks. Yeah. They, they say, we, we can't, we don't want to do that. But we don't want to cancel the mission, because if we do, Congress is going to cut all funding to the space, space program. Huh, not like that could ever happen. <laughs> and uh, It already had by this point. Well, uh, for that for that phase of it. We haven't got to the space shuttle yet. We're still doing pretty... NASA was still kind of the golden child, because, I mean, what, less than 10 years before, they, they landed on the friggin' moon. Yeah. His whole reasoning is... 
And again, I think the character is supposed to be a little unhinged because mm-hmm. he's that desperate. But it, it doesn't make a great deal of sense. Like, really, you think that's going to be it? You, other, with uh, there's still the space race going on. There's still the idea of tactical superiority in space. Again, late seventies, not so much, because um, it just that wasn't where because we quote unquote won the space race, mm-hmm. um, and. There wasn't so much push. We'd stopped doing missions to the moon by then. Yeah. Um, and so the major, like, the big thing seems to have done, and it, it felt like a lot of people were like, hey, we did it. We're done now. We don't have to do this anymore. And, you know, we hadn't gotten to the space shuttle. Um, never mind space stations. Although I think by now we had Skylab. They don't mention oh. Skylab. Hey, yeah. do you remember Skylab? Oh, yeah. yeah. Duck. <laughs> Yeah, the best thing is I was working at a day camp the year Skylab was going to fall, and we had a Skylab day and had all the kids wearing hats with little targets on the top. Oh, oh, (laughs) lovely. Yeah, Uh, Uh. it did not fall anywhere near us, but whatever. Um, So I, I, I get his reasoning, and of course, anybody who's in a position in the government that's relying on other parts of the government to back them up and the entire population for being on their side for their livelihood, I can see getting to this position. That part I didn't have a problem with. Um, The problem was, in general, they weren't really prepared in case anything went wrong, because it does. Yeah. The original plan was, we're going to yank these guys out literally... 20 minutes before the rocket bursts off or 10 minutes before the rocket actually takes off. We're going to yank these guys out, take them to this hidden uh, bunker warehouse, old Air, uh, Air Force base from World War II in Texas, and hide them there for the length of this flight. And then we're going to fake live broadcasts and stuff until they come back, and then we'll parade them around. Everybody's happy. The problem is, as the actual capsule with nobody in it is coming down, the heat shield falls off. And everyone is like, "Oh, um, you could, they'll be okay." I right? was—I gotta say, I wasn't sure that wasn't planned. No, it was not planned. So no, because all the, the everyone's faces was like, "Oh." Besides which, after they did their last broadcast, why keep them alive? Why keep the astronauts alive? That's you, what I mean. I thought they faked the heat shield thing because they knew they were going to have to kill the astronauts anyway. No, because there's no way they would keep the secret. Because it would be a much more a much greater likelihood if the mission ended up being a failure in any way for the funding to oh, still get cut. True. So no, I think that that what happened was okay. the heat shield fell off. Maybe it was even part of that whole underbid thing, and Holbrook and his cronies are like, oh, um. Oh, I forgot. And yeah. you know, um, and then that's when, thankfully, the astronauts figure out what's going on, and they hijack a plane that took them to this place. And mm-hmm. um, even though they knock off one um, landing gear, they yeah. land it safely in the desert. You I can st- Theoretically, you can do that. Yeah, luckily, they can pilot that kind of plane. That doesn't surprise me. you got to remember, most of the astronauts of the Mercury program, anyway, were test pilots. They knew how to fly. Yeah, but, you know, that didn't really bother me either. Uh, The fact that the landing was a little rough, but that was it. Hmm, okay, in the middle of the desert. Yeah, they're in the desert. Yeah, on that little, whatever, Cessna or... uh, No, it was bigger than that. It was a little uh, Learjet or something. Yeah, okay. But, um, yeah, the film starts out, just says January 7th, 78? 90? I don't know. <laughs> we don't know what year. That's the idea. And then they show us the rocket, and uh, hey, guys, don't get too close to that rocket, because they do once, and it's like, is that tape? 
Uh, yeah, not so great. Uh, and yeah. that along with the, the TV act, the made for TV actors. <laughs> <laughs> this this does whole film to me, I don't know about you felt this way. Uh-huh. The whole film, the way it's shot, it's pacing, it's glacial pacing and it's beigeness. Just, it's very beige. It's very beige. Just felt to me like a TV movie, a made-for-TV movie. Ex- to me, except for the shots in the desert, or when they, or whatever part of Texas they were supposed to be in, I thought that had more of a cinematic quality. There was a little more grandeur there, a little more scope. A little. Except, dear gods, those guys are wimps. Like, two hours out in the desert, and they're already like, water, water. Look, dude. Well, I, we don't, I we don't know how water. long... We, well, that's what it looks like because nothing else is happening. It literally yeah. looks like two hours. Long, and we never see any of them actually drink from their water ration. They it's actually had there. cans of waters with, water yeah. with them. Yeah. And it's like, okay, dude, I've been in a 60-pound costume with a full silicone head mask as an orc at Renfest in 80-plus degree weathers for hours. And I don't tend to eat or drink. I don't eat anything. I don't drink anything. Okay, I have some shade. But I don't have salt crusted around my mouth. With an, it's like, calm, let's calm down. We see one night. So it's apparently only a day that they're out there. And they're already, like, chewing their own legs off. And it's like... Let's let's calm down a little, shall we? Also, they make a huge mistake. I don't know if you caught this. One of the first things we see our hero um, James Brolin do, and we this actually marks the fact that he's the only one who's going to live. Oh, spoiler! <laughs> is he tears off one of the legs of his yeah, jumpsuit? Right, and he makes covers a his head. Yeah, yeah, which is a good thing. The problem That's one of the is first. Th- yeah, that night the leg of the jumpsuit magically comes back and stays Yeah, there. it grows back, yes. <laughs> well, it's magic NASA suit material. It's unstable molecules. Yeah. Um, also, nobody got a sunburn, but oops, oh, oh, sorry. Whatever. It's Those are the least of this film's problems. Um, you know, the made-for-TV love you is just right all over the stage. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's one point where we're looking at the... Uh, stage the sound stage with the lunar well mars lander it's mm-hmm. the lunar lander it doesn't look any different and it's like dude there's shadows on the backdrop um there there are a lot of little mistakes like at one point when they lock the astronauts into the conference room to keep them there if you're going to lock people in a room you don't do it in a room where the hinges are on the inside which they which can't. is what they they immediately pry the pry the pin out and up oh, we're out and yeah. oh look the nobody's guarding the door yeah, I was waiting for me to go through the drop-down ceiling personally because it looked like it was one of those, and it's like, eh. I mean, to be fair, that's another reason why I think they weren't expecting to have to kill them because it's like, yeah, just let them wait in the room. We'll we'll wait until then. We'll just parade them over. Remember, because they were supposed to be picked up. They did the whole yeah. 200 miles off course so that we have time to get you to that place bit. That still was happening. It's just, I think literally they were not expecting that to go wrong. Um, I think uh, the backdrop of Mars... Was in fact a novel by Edgar Rice Burroughs. I think that's actually one of those Barsoom novels that he did. Yeah, yeah, the backdrop yeah. of Mars. It's like Dune. There's like fifty of them, and there's you know the um, wonderful little tea time of the soul at, of Dune, and all those. Yeah, um, sure didn't take them long to get to Mars, does it? Three yeah, months. Yeah, it took. took a, <laughs> I, I I looked through this. It took about four months. Uh, with today's technology, they estimate it would take seven to nine months. Yeah. And um, how about that capsule? Where, oh, yeah. do, you, um, where do you pee? <laughs> where, well, you pee in your suit. Um, for three but, months? 
Yeah, that's the other thing. There doesn't appear to be any way to move around in no. the capsule. No. There's no radiation shielding to no. speak of. And one yeah. of the things that they have gone over over and over again with astronauts is they need a lot of daily uh, exercise because otherwise they have a really bad bone loss. Um, being in zero g but these guys can't even get out of their seats it's like yeah really? it looks like they're just strapped in and they're supposed to stay there for a total of like six seven months yeah and then they get to mars and what they empty their suits how does that happen like <laughs> yep, <there's>, uh, <laughs> trickle trickle i guess yeah, i've been um, holding it in for three and a half months uh and, yeah yes and i you noticed i, I was like okay what's uh brew baker james Rowland? what's his uh, stepping on to mars line gonna be and it was really dull. Was, yeah, but it was... At least he didn't swallow the A the way Neil did. Which one? You know, he he didn't say, uh, well, that's one small step for man. He said, that's one small step for a man. Oh. One giant leap for mankind, which makes much more sense. Because one small step for man, giant leap for mankind, that's the means, you know, man and mankind mean the same thing there. But because of his accent, he swallowed the A. You oh. can't hear it. I hope it was delicious on the moon. Yeah. On the moon. yeah. Um, I have another question about Elliot Gould. Why is he so hard to kill? Oh, I don't think he's hard to kill. I think they just hired unbelievably incompetent <laughs> assassins. Because holy crap, they, try, they cut his brake cables, he's okay. They shoot over his head like two or three times and then leave while he is alone throwing himself onto the ground. He doesn't run and hide. He throws himself on the ground and covers his head. He, he's right there. Just walk over and shoot him. It's like he fell and they were scared and they ran. Like I, Because he was in a, a West, it was called Flat Rock, Arizona, which is apparently where they shot a lot of Westerns and it's a fake Western town. And he goes off season, whatever that means. And there's nobody there. And as soon as they shoot twice, he hits the dirt. You hear... By the way, that's all sand. What were those tires peeling out against? The parking lot? <laughs> the plot. The, the one plot point I kind of liked was the way Brubaker gives the clue to his wife. Yes. He's doing, they're, they're coming in, they're back in range, they can talk to the earth, and they're all saying hi to their wives, they're doing the, because that's always a big dramatic TV moment. Yeah. And he says, you know, tell my son we're going to go to Yosemite again like we did last year. And she gets this funny look, and that's what tips off Elliot Gould. Yeah. And it turns out they didn't go to Yosemite, they went to that place. Yeah. And he, he, he had made all these comments about it's amazing what you can fake with film. Right. And that's what uh, tips her off. Yeah. By the way, that is, that is another problem with the we never went to the moon theory. Mm -hmm. The technology required to fake the moon landing did not exist in 1968. Mm. Well, and that's that's part of the deal with the Joe uh, Rod, Elliot ca character uh, played by uh, Robert Walden is he's basically going, oh, this can't be right. It says here yeah. that uh, all the uh, the broadcasts we're getting are like 300 miles away. That's weird. Or they're actually <laughs> getting here before they're supposed to. That's hmm, that's that must. I was kind of surprised he was the only one who noticed that. Yeah. Well, and here's what this is the part that makes the Elliot Gould section really just annoyingly stupid so this guy elliot 
he's a technician. He's one of the many people on one of those little, you know, computer stations you saw in Mission Control and whatever. And he mm-hmm. makes this discovery. He's like, that's weird. He doesn't sit there and accuse anybody. He's just like, I got this thing I can't explain. Like, what's going on? And he first goes to, like, his section chief and mm-hmm. says, hey, this is this thing going on. You know, uh, what, what's, what's with that? And the guy's just like, oh, well, what, which one are you on? Well, I'm on 36. Oh, yeah, we had problems with 36. Thanks for reporting it. It's fine. And he's like, oh, well figured they'd want to ask him and he goes back but then he's like hmm i'm not gonna let this go and he starts running his own programs on it and it's like sure enough this thing keeps telling me that these broadcasts are coming for some reason he waits like three months to tell anybody else but whatever so he goes to to dr evil uh hal holbrook Mm -hmm. and he says you know i got this problem and Holbrook does the same thing. He's like, oh, which one are you on? 36. Oh, yes, we had that fixed. It's okay, fine. Now it's like, yeah, but nope, thank you for bringing my attention. That was really nice of you. And, and then we, that, goodbye, Elliot. <laughs> but here's the thing. Elliot's a friend of Elliot Gould. That's not yeah. confusing. No. Elliot Donnelly disappears from the middle of a pool game at a yeah. bar. Yeah. But then when Elliot Gould goes to look for him, they have replaced the the person in his apartment. They have faked magazine subscriptions and they have faked the fact that this person supposedly has been living there for over a year with receipts and stuff with the manager's office. They can do all that and they can't shoot Elliot Gould? Yeah, they can basically delete uh, this guy from existence, but they can't kill one schlubby reporter. Yeah, and he drives off a uh, drawbridge at a yeah. hundred miles an hour. And we know this cause it shows this, the speedometer. Yeah. Okay. He lives, uh, no, and <laughs> swims to safety. Uh, no. And then goes home. Yeah. Like yeah. he just like try to hide out or anything. And then he goes, he even goes back to work and then he calls Karen black and they go off and do things and whatever. Uh, and their whole byplay, his byplay with Karen Black, where he's like, I guess he's hitting on her and she does not interested, but just seems like two people going through this. It's like two people just straight reading who's on first. Yeah, there's no chemistry there at all. No. What? Also, I am not sure at the end, I don't know a lot about av- aerial combat, <laughs> but I have a lot of trouble thinking that that little diesel crop dusting plane could play chicken with two Cayuse helicopters, which are designed for speed and maneuverability. Okay, they're not gunships. They have machine guns on them, but they're not designed for heavy combat. They should have shot him out of the air in two seconds. Well, the other thing I loved about the helicopters is for whatever reason... They decided to make them characters. Yes, <laughs> it's so odd. When the helicopters show up, there are points where the helicopters hovering next to each other turn to face each other. <laughs> like they're Like talking. they're having a conversation as opposed to talking over the headset. Now, I kind of like that. I thought, oh, that's neat. That kind of dehumanizes it. It makes it seem like they're something else and then you see the pilots get out except like, that well looks, you just blew that it honestly looks like the helicopters are there they're looking at the screen and they turn to each other and one of them goes hey earl you see those astronauts down there <laughs> nope i don't see the astronauts they turn back to the screen and then they turn back to each other well what should we do i guess we should go look for them okay earl i'll see you later yeah and they turn yeah. away and leave it is so weird it's like they should be like droids from a star wars show it's just bizarre it was a very strange choice but again i I thought it could have worked. I yeah. thought it could have worked better. I liked the idea that there was the, was after them was inhuman. 
As far as the conspiracy part goes... Oh, yeah, we should get I, to that part. Yeah, we, we should... One of our talking points. What What is the actual conspiracy, Max? Would you state it clearly for us? I can't. It's not NASA as a whole. No. Because it's a, clearly a tiny subset, all being run by evil Hal Holbrook. But he says, and I actually I, I have this uh, in my notes. Oh, good. There are people out there, forces <laughs> out there, who have a lot to lose. Yeah, and so my note was, wait, they have to fake the Mars landing because of mob ties? Because <laughs> that's what it Is sounds it def- like. If they had just thrown in a little defense contractors, sure. uh, uh, you know, Lockheed Martin, they didn't have to name names, but no has a lot to lose nasa's a government organization sure they buy a lot of stuff yeah but there was nothing to who, who uh, the implication was hal holbrook was not alone i mean he couldn't have been he had a lot of help who and why yeah pressure from that, above but yeah uh, well so because of that do we believe the conspiracy do we find it at all likely no I, well it comes close i almost could yeah. If I I think it could have they could have with like two or three additional lines. Mm-hmm. One short scene. They could have made it more believable, but as it is it's too vague. Yeah. It just it's not a, it just seems like it's all Hal Holbrook except it can't be and he even says it's not. Yeah. And we don't know who like besides him we don't know who this is going to hurt. Yeah. So, mm. Um, so we know yeah, NASA will lose a lot of money. It's like all right, but they have other stuff. Yeah. Um, going quickly back to the helicopters, the end chase scene, my, my note on this was the end chase is almost exciting. And end chase is kind of fun. Do you believe the part where he cropped us the two helicopters into the cliff? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I do not. Because we, we see it. We see it from inside the helicopter. We see the biplane trailing its cloud of chemicals, and then it swoops up. And from inside the helicopter that's ostensibly following the plane we see it clear and there's a cliff and we do absolutely nothing except just run right into it and then when that yeah. helicopter is done running right into it the other one goes oh that looks like a good idea and does the <laughs> same thing yeah that that sequence just to me didn't make any sense again i'm not an aerial i don't know a lot about the aircraft maybe i somehow yeah. it just seems I, I i i had a big i call no way moment then yeah I have a few extra notes about the moon landing hoax theory, uh, just for fun. So it was started in 1976 by a man named Bill Casing. He was a man with no experience in rocketry or really space science of any kind. And oh. se- and no. And he self-published a book called We Never Went to the Moon, America's $30 Billion yeah. Swindle. So that's where yeah, that I've heard started. that title, yeah. yeah. But also, the part you, you mentioned in trivia, Stanley Kubrick, the Flat Earth Society... <laughs> Because uh, that's a thing. Yes, oh, for brother. some reason, that's a thing. They claim it was actually Disney, Arthur C. Clarke, <laughs> and Stanley Kubrick. Because, oh. yeah, there's all three people that would want you to believe that all of the moon lane, whatever. Sure. Uh, then, of course, Capricorn One comes out after that, and that just adds fuel to the stupidity fire. Um, there were... Yeah. Oh, there's, there's, there's more. Yeah. So clips from the faked Mars landing scenes have been used for illustration purposes in various moon landing hoax conspiracy documentaries, notably the, and you'll be really shocked by this, the Fox TV show Conspiracy oh. Theory, Did We Land on the Moon? And somebody oh. named Bart Seibrill's film, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon in 2001. In fact, that uh-huh. last one steals a still shot from the hoax scene on the DVD's front cover of Capricorn One. Yeah. There, 
There is a rumor, and I cannot substantiate this at all, but I yeah. remember hearing this, that Kubrick heard about this, that he would, that people thought he was involved in the faking of the moon landing, yeah. and he thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and people would approach him about this and say, is it true? And he would actually go, yes, I have to come clean. I did. I filmed the moon land. And it got to the point where NASA was calling him and saying, Mr. Kubrick, please stop doing that. And he's like, no, it's just so much fun. Yeah. I don't know if this is true. That may, it, it, It's entire. My favorite confrontation, there was one of those, I'm not even, I didn't even, dignified by looking him up some idiot who goes around trying to ambush people in videos borat uh no no <laughs> that th this guy isn't even funny he's uh just some idiot uh, who doesn't believe in that we went to the moon and he actually tried to ambush buzz aldrin dr uh -huh. buzz aldrin the Good. you know second man on the moon yeah and went up and was yelling at him and holding out a Bible and saying, put your hand on this Bible and why won't you swear on this Bible that you went to the moon? Why are you lying to the American people? He couldn't get out of his face. And Aldrin, at age 77, turns around and decks the guy. <laughs> he did, And this guy was a, almost a foot taller than he was, and he laid him out with one punch. I know I liked Buzz Aldrin for some reason. Don't mess with astronauts. <laughs> they are in unbelievable shape. You know, the funny thing is, through the various research I did on the moon landing hoax thing, there's actually one earlier bit of suggestion that the moon landing was a hoax, and it comes from a really weird place, and I guarantee you've seen it and just brushed it past your memory, because I did too. So, 76, we got that book by Bill Casing. So, that yeah. was the what went to the moon. We have Capricorn 1. Somewhere between those two things, we got the whole Kubrick thing. In 1974, there was a film that depicts a scene that shows what it would be like to film a fake moon scene, with in, including a fake moon vehicle. That film was Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> oh, oh, God, that's right. Yeah. That's right. He Yeah, 007 ends up driving the Moonlander, or a fake Moonlander, I assume. And this is from 1971. Oh, wow. So, hmm. yeah, I guess maybe what we can do is we can blame the whole we didn't go to the moon <laughs> on James Bond. On James Bond. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot, 00 jerk. Yeah. But uh, we should... I, I uh, think, think we should come to the roundup. Yeah. The finish. The mics. I win! Finally! Over 200 episodes, I win! Not in editing, you won't. <laughs> but all right. Yeah. <laughs> had, you, had you ever seen this movie? No, but it's been on my radar since I was a kid, because vaguely science fiction and space stuff, and, you know, we were all... Actually, to be fair, it was on the same kind of radar as those old Sun classic films like In Search of Historic Jesus or In Search oh, of Noah's boy. Ark. Yeah, remember oh, those? Yeah. Yes, we, I do. Did you go to see any of those? I think I, they came on. T they showed up on TV, and I think I watched the uh, uh, Noah's Ark one. Oh no, I went to the theater to see that. Oh one. wow. <laughs> um, no, I had not seen it before this, and I knew the idea of what it was. I just didn't. You know, I just wasn't prepared for the grandeur of the TV <laughs> movie of the week that we got. Yeah. Um, it's awful. Honestly, it's slow. It's beige. It suffers greatly from the 70s. Um, some films depict the 70s. This one suffers terribly from it. It's not interesting. 
Um, the action, such as it is, comes at the very end. I don't, you know, I, I've talked about how I make predictions and stuff. I made three. One of them, the big one, uh, did come true, which is Bro- only Brolin lives. Yeah. Um, I actually thought that uh, Brolin was going to turn the camera, aw- like when they were supposedly on Mars, I swore he was going to grab the camera and turn it around, <laughs> but that didn't happen. Um, go, look, Martians! Yeah, t- you know, TV directors, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, the whole the, the rattlesnake scene was a bit much, and then we get a scorpion scene, and it's like, yeah, whatever, okay. Um, I never once believed what was going on. Like you said, I don't think that there's enough of a villain here. Like, okay, Hal Holbrook, but he keeps suggesting that, you know, Guido and the killer pimp's going to come out of somewhere, <laughs> and that's the problem. Do I believe they could do it? I, I in six, Well, this would have been 78. A Mars landing? It's For one thing, it's not taking nearly... The science in this is terrible. Yeah. Could they? Sure. Um, mm. Again, the benefit? I, so, it's like when the whole flat Earth thing, which drives me insane. Mm. Who benefits from yeah. this? How is that useful? What, who is... Why do they want us to think that the Earth is flat? Yeah, oh, or round. the Earth is round, excuse yeah. me. I, so, meh. And as far as and that my niche is how we knew the Earth to be banana shaped. <laughs> Amazing, Spedavia. Um, it just it's, it's a very large meh, and in some cases terrible. Elliot Gould, maybe they gave him fifty bucks, and he's like, "Yeah, whatever. I'll do this between better films." I just, I don't care about anybody in this film. Um, yeah, how about you? Uh, I had never seen this. This was again. It was always on my radar. It was one I kept. It's one of those movies for you know. 30 years I kept meaning to see and just never got around to. And then I, the more I heard about it, the more it's like, oh, maybe not. Yeah. And I don't, I didn't hate it. It's not, I didn't think it was awful. It's just, you're right. It's very dull. Yeah. And the sad thing is, the annoying part is, it's an interesting idea that they could have done more with. Yeah. And this, it just feels very by the numbers. And most of the characters are just cle- cardboard cutouts. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's a disappointment. Yeah, a big one. Not really a surprise. I really was not expecting it to be as made for TV as it was, but man, it's just. Ugh. If yeah. you've ever seen a made for TV movie, except apparently The Duel, uh, they all mm, kind of suck. Yes, <laughs> Duel is amazing. Oh, God, you know, I hadn't even thought of that in terms of tense movies. Yeah. That's an unbelievably tense movie. Well, that's Steven Spielberg, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's like, I'll do and this, Dennis and then I'm going to do that shark thing. <laughs> McLeod. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that's it for Capricorn yeah, 1, another it. film in a long line of films you can avoid if you want to, uh, you know, have better things to do. But, Max, could you go over that poll question, that nifty new poll question you've got? It's just what they Max, the read the poll question. Me. Okay. <laughs> Which star of the silver screen, living or dead at any point in their career, would you want most want to sit down with over lunch or drinks and talk? And what question is the one you'd most like to ask them? And you can answer that question to us by many ways. You can email us at us at maxmikemovies.com, or you can go to our website, maxmikemovies.com, leave a comment. You can respond to us on the social medias, uh, Facebook or Twitter under Max Mike Movies. Or you can simply use the telepathically implant the telepathic implant that they've put in your skull and beam to us on frequency N31-J. My tinfoil hat won't tune to that signal. Well, you gotta bend it around a little more there, Clem. Golly! 
Right. Shazam. But All right. We've got more we've got more terrifying documentary I mean conspiracy theory movies <laughs> to get to go through. What's gonna be our next one? Well, Max Alleged I think, Mike. <laughs> Who would want to make a copy of this? <laughs> I think it's about time you and I sat down for a little conversation. Less conversation, a little more action, please. Um Thank you. Thank you very much. You're straight, Max. Uh, uh, I'm the king. Uh, I'm the king. You know, I'm Elvis. He was straight too. <laughs> Not right. that kind of conversation. Oh, okay. What kind of conversation? <laughs> uh, a film that up till recently I didn't even know existed, and yet it's made made by a, a pretty prominent filmmaker at pretty much the peak of his career. Ah, uh, yeah. You may have heard of this guy. He's um, Francis Ford. Someone. Uh, Francis Ford Fairlane? That's it, right? Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, he's a stand-up comic, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> no, right, Francis uh, Ford Deuce Coppola. Man or something, yeah. And this Coppola, is actually, wow. Yeah, this is going to relate yep. to, and now we mentioned this, but we, this is going to relate to the uh, first film in this series called Conspiracy! And that was uh, Enemy of the State, and it stars Gene Hackman. Yeah. And it plays a character that a lot of people think, it's a conspiracy, you know, maybe it is, <laughs> maybe it isn't, is the uh, actual original character from this film, which is in fact called The Conversation. Because Max and I aren't going to have a conversation. Max is going to have a little talking, too. You can't silence the truth. No, but Bumpy can. Get him! Uh, come here. It's This is it. We end this. Winnie, Winnie, I guess. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.